It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Good evening, ladies and gents. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. Have you guys missed us? Did you miss us? I missed you, Karen. I don't even remember how to do this show. I think our li- live <laughs> listeners are in for a bumpy ride. I don't know why. I, we only took two weeks off. I know. It feels like we've been off for years. I know. I don't know why that is. I don't hopefully, know. Either. Hopefully they don't. They didn't miss us like we were gone for years. That would be bad. Don't you they think? They forgot all about us. No, stop. How could you forget about us? Please, seriously, really, seriously? No, no. I forgot. Hey. Also, Allison, I went to my pirate voice. I'm sorry, Cheryl told me no, only on pirate Cheryl talking said no day. talking like a pirate. Talk, talk like a pirate day. I think Fine. is coming up. Here in a few all right, if only all right. we had a world of information at our fingertips where we could oh say Google that. <laughs> okay, all right, fine. I won't talk like a pirate. Look uh, it up on the Google, and you can do it on the right. Yeah, day. the Google. You're like okay. my friend Chrissy. The Google. What? The, it's not the Google. It's just Google. There's no the. I say that ironically. Oh, okay. Wink, wink. Hey, guess what? We have a guest on tonight too. Our show actually has a guest. Look. We always have a guest. Well, it's exciting, isn't it? It Dan, is. We haven't had a guest for two weeks. I know. His name is Dan Lefave. He's the founder of Graveyard Shift Paranormal Investigations. And he's also an author, too, on top of that. But we're going to talk oh, about well, cool. little ghosties and stuff like that tonight. It's going to be fun. Groovy. Mm-hmm. Groovy. Oh, okay. We're like Scooby Doo now. Groovy Daphne. It's cool, man. Whatever. Check it out, Chicky. Kind of chill. I'm feeling kind of chill in 2016. So, uh, how was your 2015? How was the end of 2015 for you? Was it good? Yeah, we had a nice time. Thanks. <laughs> Whoop, we had, right a, we had a New Year's. We had a New Year's Eve party at the Wheeler. Uh-huh. And this is at the old Wheeler Hotel. And yeah. what I will say is, what happens at the Wheeler stays, stays at, the Wheeler. at the Wheeler. Now, I didn't do much of anything. I just kind of hung around the house and. <sighs> I don't know, watch TV, and, you know, I didn't really do a lot, you know, but it was okay because it was safe because out here I was hearing all sorts of crashes and stuff like that as you, per New Year's Eve, unfortunately, there were a couple sure, of Sure, sure, I was hearing all sorts of crashes and things too, but it was mostly around me. Oh, <laughs> they weren't cars then, they were people. Maybe. <laughs> Got the it. Wheeler stays at the wheeler. at the wheeler, okay. So Cheryl, how was your New Year's? Was it was it good? Did you guys do something cool or what? What'd you yeah, do? Yeah, it was fun. We had a good Christmas and New Year's. We went to a few movies over the holidays. Um, excuse me, I don't oh, think yeah. I heard him ask about Christmas. Go and, ahead, Mel. Oh, New Year's, New Year's Eve. We went to uh, the movies. We saw a special Did engagement you... of The Hateful Eight. Oh, I heard that was good. Um, uh, yeah, I. well, are you a Tarantino fan? Yeah, I heard it's like... Typical Tarantino. You would like it. Okay. okay, good. You would like it. If you are okay. not, if you specifically do not. not like Tarantino, you would not I like it. <laughs> do not like Tarantino. I, but my whole family liked it. So oh, okay. we all enjoyed it. It was it was entertaining. I'll just put it that way. And then we saw. <laughs> did, you, did, you, mm-hmm. did you go see the Star Wars? Twice. The new Star Wars? Oh, twice. twice. Yes, we saw that. I have not seen it. Probably you won't. Uh, you should see it. It was, we, we liked it. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not going to spoil it, but there was 
some things. That Tanner already great, came home. But, oh, okay. Our, all right. All right. It was. We'll probably even see it again. I think. Oh, oh nice. Third time. Oh. And then we went to Dollywood. Ooh. Uh-huh. That was a couple days before New Year's. How's that, y'all? It was fun. It was there was Christmas lights everywhere, and there was music, and there were a, a special play with holograms for a Christmas carol. It was so fun. Cool. Yeah, it sounds, it like sounds it was fun. lovely. It sounds like you had a lovely holiday it sounds season. Sounds lovely. Yes. yes, yes, so fun. I I'm, told I'm, you I'm very zen in 2016. You're what you like say? That. I'm a chill girl in 2016. I'm, very I'm, zen. I'm well, you know, I'm zen and out. I'm zen. I'm yeah, zen. you bought like a zen shirt to wear around the house. Yeah, I'm zen out, man. I like it. It's cool. It's relaxing. Yeah. Though this weekend I am going to go see that movie, The Forest, because that Are looks you? really. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. Let me ask this: Is anybody going to see the doll? Yes. Or yes. The boy. Uh-huh. Wait, what's it called? Is that yes. the one that you sent boy? me the trailer to? Yes. The boy. Yes. That's, yeah. It's called the boy. Uh, I don't January, know. I don't really go see a lot of movies, so. January twenty second. I heard it's supposed to be really, really good. So. Um, I'm I just finished. Chad I watch movies on Netflix. I just finished watching the documentary series "Making a Murderer." Oh, okay. Uh, if you really, really, really want to be pissed off, it's a great. Ten hours. <laughs> it's, you'll be crying injustice afterwards. Right. Is that what I've heard? Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's something. So um, I want to do the news, but before we do the news, um, can you play that little thing I have for uh, my friend whose birthday is today? Oh, happy birthday, Jess! Yeah, I don't know if you're there, is Jess. But is she here? I don't. I don't see her in chat right now, but that's okay. But that's can... okay. She'll hear it on replay. Yeah, okay. Replay. Let, let's 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 do it. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Jessica, happy birthday to And there you go. That was just that was especially made for Jess. You know, I had to do it because it's her birthday today. So I don't even know. I don't know if she's going to be listening, but you know, she could be. Uh, but you know, it is her birthday, so it's okay. If she hears it on the playback, that's fine. But now I want to get to 2016. You know what time it is, Cheryl? Just when you thought the world couldn't get any weirder, it's time for our news of the strange and the All righty. It is 2016. We are going to start with some new stuff for the year. Um, of course, most of this comes from Phantoms and Monsters, Pulse of the Paranormal, which is a really cool website to go to because they have all the different stories from all around the world. So the first one here for our little news ditty is this was kind of cool because it's kind of like how one thing can connect people to another because I really like the, the way that uh, humans connect, our souls connect, energy connects. But this is kind of cool, so I'll just read it and you tell me what you think, Karen. All right, so it says, Mom gets surprising text from late son's phone. All right, after Carol Adler's 21-year-old son died while training to become a Colorado State Trooper, she continued to text the cadet's phone saying she loved and missed him trying to mend her broken heart. One day, she got a text back. Kel Hustley, a police sergeant in Greenlee, Colorado, received a new phone number and was getting the messages Adler was sending to the boy, Taylor. 
So I sent the text back and identified myself and said, I'm with the Greenlee Police Department. I don't think your texts are going where you think, where they think you are. Uh, Hustley told the, the television station in Denver. The text began a relationship between the grieving mother and the police sergeant who was doing the job that Taylor was determined to do. Uh, Taylor had many goals for his life. Um, his high school to-do list included some teenage pipe dreams, wrestling an alligator, <laughs> swimming with sharks, go cliff diving, some goals he was able to accomplish, graduating high school, joining the Army, being the best son possible. Then in May, Taylor was struck and killed by a driver on the run during a police chase near Longmount, Colorado. The driver accused of killing the cadet has been charged with first-degree murder and attempted murder, and another police officer was critically injured. Every day it hits me like a ton of bricks when I can't text him. We're just that close. Everything that happened in his life was in my life. Adler, who texts her son often when he was alive, continued to text him after his death and was uh, spilling out her loss and anguish. And then on August 4th, um, she said that the urge to text you talk to you is strong tonight. I miss you so much. I just want to see and feel you and hear you. I don't want you gone from me. At first, Husley, a 33-year-old veteran officer, ignored the texts that were coming over his new phone. Uh, then, after a particularly wrenching message, he texted the cadet's mother and offered to change the number. Uh, Adler, however, likes the connection, the kismet of her boy's cell phone number resting with a police officer. And Husley likes hearing from Ta about Taylor's passion, which reminds him of his cadet days. It's a good for me to remember all the wonderful things he was looking forward to. It's like I always have a little angel in my pocket. Uh, Taylor was then posthumously promoted to a Colorado State Patrol Trooper, according to a memorial on Facebook page. So that's kind of cool that she's just trying to get her, 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 her emotions and her grieving out by texting this phone, and then it connects with a guy who just happens to be a police officer also, yeah. and then they become, you know, become friends. So I thought that was really cool. That's a, that's a, I, I actually saw that story, um, and it's a particularly tough story for me, and I would imagine for Cheryl, too, because we both have sons right around that age. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, I can't so, even imagine. I know. So that that really may move me that it's like you know instead of him just going you know what the heck change the number don't do anything about it he actually stepped forward and and got connected to her and so I'm sure they're, they're probably friends now. So, okay, the next one's going into the world of the weird for sure. Okay, this is from Maxim.com. Yes, that magazine from Marion Bull. How to attract a ghost sexually? Okay, this is where we're gonna go with this. Okay, here we go. Spectrophilia is a mysterious and exciting okay, prospect, particularly if you've grown tired of the whole warm body on warm body thing. Okay, that's what it says. Okay, I like now the verbiage on this is just crazy. The bleeders and the breeders among us don't have much in common with the ghosts. They float and they fly while we walk and digest. They will carry on forever while we carry on until the day we join their ranks. But there is one thing we do have in common with the spirits that make us. Haunted and horny. We want what we cannot have, for a ghost's life is the ultimate turn-on. To lure your sultry specter, then, just be as alive as you can. Run and sweat and feel your heart beat. Run a bicycle, sit in chairs, uh, cut your hair, trim your fingernails, spend as much time as you possibly can eating food and drinking drinks. Also, like most humans, ghosts like the thrill of the chase. And they want to make sure that the chase won't get cut short by sudden illness or tragic accident. So go see your general practitioner with haste. Wear a helmet and a seatbelt whenever possible. Look both ways when you cross the street. Floss every day. 
Do not consume sugar, artificial sweeteners, or saturated fats. Exercise for 30 minutes at least three times a week. Get at least seven hours of sleep. You don't want to be too tired when the ghost in question inevitably wants to bone, as it puts. This is satire, uh, Assuming, yes. yes, yes, it is. Then okay. again, ghosts like to save people. Remember the movie Ghosts with Patrick Swayze, in which Patrick Swayze dies and then tries to save his life, save his wife, who is uh, you know the hot ceramics. Uh, ghosts love to be the hero. So while you shouldn't actually die, maybe hire a stranger to stalk you, and then feel your ghost lover float to the rescue. If you go with the option, you will probably have to negotiate the terms either via email or some sort of other safe room that a ghost cannot penetrate. No pun intended. Just to make sure there aren't any in the plans. If you're looking to attract a warm body human who has, go- who has ghosts you, I have no answer. These are just the modern world's confusing beings. Just move on, I guess. Find another human to kiss. So I'm assuming that was satire, though it wasn't stated as so. I was like, what the heck was that all about? That was like... Um, okay. Weird. You have nothing to say about that? Nothing to say about that. Nothing. Not a word. Well, I... You know how if you can't say something nice? <laughs> it's stuff okay. like that. And so, I mean, I know that we're lighthearted and fun here. Yes. But I'm sorry. Crap like that inv- invites exploitation, and that's why people get the wrong idea about things. And it actually I know that, makes me mad. That's why I find it's odd that you know people would just write about I actually I actually find that a little bit offensive um oh. and I'm not an easily offended person oh, but well. I just uh yeah that's you know I work so hard to help people understand that ghosts are people and to connect mm-hmm. with them and everything else and yeah mm-hmm. well you know I guess everybody has a different sense of humor you know well, so I have a sense of humor I just didn't like that I know that's okay um, the last one is, is I don't know, this is weird because I never heard of this kind of flower. It says, you corpse flower. It's called a corpse flower. Uh, oh, yeah, by, the smelly flower. Yeah, it's written by like uh, Richard J. Redmond. Yes. It says, a particular unusual and foul-smelling flower is known to bloom only once every thousand days. Uh, native only to the rainforests of Sumatra. Uh, I, I don't know if I can say this. Ormophophalius titanium. I guess this is what it is. It's something yeah, of a botanical... I know. Oddity due to its sporadic flowering behavior and its extreme small smell of rotting flesh. I guess it's, that's what they call it, the corpse flower. The plant has proven to be a popular attraction at Mount Lofty Botanic Gardens where visitors have been queuing up to see the six-foot plant in bloom, which I find it crazy it's that big. Um, something that occurs only once every three years and lasts only a matter of hours. One of the staff, uh, Matt Collier, described the stench as being like that of a, uh, like you said, like a dead animal. When I opened the glass house this morning, it's almost, it almost blew me away. It was so strong. He says, I almost had to stop myself from throwing up. It was so bad. Until you have actually experienced it, it is the first time I've actually smelled it. It is not, like nothing else. He has one visitor described the smell as like a rubbish bin, while others thought it smelled like, a, like cooked broccoli that had gone all, all bad out, out of the fridge. Uh, I've never heard of this plant before, and the fact that it's mm-hmm. like six foot tall, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. But I, I, I am, well, I mean, thank God it's only in the forest because, you know, then you don't have to smell it unless you want to go to the Britannic Gardens, I guess, and check it out. But it's, Well, if you want to have an experience that's similar to it, that, you know, for smelling it, you can mm-hmm. just throw a chicken, like a, you know, a whole roasting chicken in your garbage for six, seven, eight days, and it'll approximate. Uh-huh. 
Well, that's pretty gross. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, you know, it's sort of like when we used to, when I went to, we went to Jelly Belly, you know, where you get jelly beans and they have all these like weird flavors like um, vomit and dirt and, you know, it's like, yeah. why would you want, like, why would you want to eat those, you know? And it's like, booger, first, isn't there one that's booger? Yeah, you know, they make all these smelly feet and stuff like that. I mean, they have really good jelly beans, but they have all these weird ones. So we were there and, and, the, and the people who are there, like the, the hosts that, you know, when you come in, because uh, you can take a tour of the place and stuff like that. They're like, oh, here, try this. I'm like, I'm not trying it. I'm like, no, it doesn't taste like what it says. It's fine. Yeah, they, they all fake you into trying it. So I went ahead and plop on them babies in my mouth and was like, vomit. It tasted like vomit. It was gross. It's like, and of course, you have they have the cups. Yeah, because that's so just what I want to encourage is the taste of vomit in my mouth. I know. Mm. It's like, what are they? Yum. They even did like a Dirty Jobs episode where they, he was concocting his own like version of it and i'm like i don't understand why you do that because i mean the regular stuff is awesome but uh i i don't understand why you'd want to eat dirt or boogers or smelly feet or any of that stuff i don't know it's weird i don't know i don't know so that i mean that's all i have in the news uh this week um so wh- how how are we going to approach mr dan when he comes on the show. I mean, how are we going to... Well, what, I, I, I assume that we're going to be friendly and have a conversation with him. Well, I, I understand I, I, did that Did you mean part. approach him with baseball bats? And, no, and... Well, no, not exactly, but I okay. suppose... Uh, but he's kind of far away, so I don't think you can hurt him on the phone, but I just meant approach him in the fact that, you know, like... Uh, I think we'll have a chat and see what happens. Oh, okay. So nothing planned, per se, then. Chuck, when have I ever, ever, ever <laughs> pre-planned a show? Is that where you... Was That's that, what I'm you, trying to drive did at. You, did you want me to like say that I have turned over a new leaf and it's a well, new no. year? And- I was just curious. I'm just asking questions. Can I be a curious guy and say, hey, you know, uh, so you have any particular questions you might like to ask him this evening? You know, some. Way- I like to see which way the wind blows. Oh, I and bet blow you, with the wind. Uh, hopefully, the wind's blown over by Cheryl, thanks to Chad. Damn, oh, right snap! Yeah, snap! Damn. Uh oh. <laughs> oh, and yes, so I'm assuming that there's a slight delay. It took Chad just a minute to, to catch up to that. That's, yeah, that's what he was going for. That's okay, you know. That's the, the best of us. Yeah. Hey, so um, I yes. Jim was uh, up the other night, and I was in bed asleep, and I got up the next morning, and he said, well, I heard the ghost upstairs. I was like, finally, because he has not believed me for years because he's never heard it. What, what, I mean, did he hear, what did he hear? Like, uh, like somebody walking around upstairs, like right. a, like yeah. an adult sized person footsteps walking around <laughs> upstairs. And I mean, it's like, it sounded like Tanner was up there and Tanner's been back at school since, since new year's day. And you're like, finally so, just go run over to the thing and mark it on the calendar. I, I was really excited. Yeah. Jim finally <laughs> believes me that, you know, there's something going on. I said, oh, well, do you think it was something else? He said, nope, I think it was the ghost. I was like, okay. That's sweet. Look at that. Right. And, and it's interesting, too, though, because like, like our last few shows have always been about metaphysical and stuff like that. So now we're just kind of like getting back to um, the spirit end of things, which would be kind of cool, you know, because we haven't done that in a while. So it's going to be interesting. You know me? I'm always happy to talk about ghosts, talk yeah, to ghosts, talk to people who like to talk about ghosts. I just pulled you know, my all that stuff. I just pulled my equipment up the other day. I've been missing doing like investigations. I haven't done it in a while. So I, I, I pulled all my equipment. I laid it all out. I did some EVP work and uh, was uh, testing. I, actually, what I did is I was doing some, or I took my crystals and I put them on the table. 
and I laid them all around, and I put the recorder in the center of it, and then I tried to do like the next time I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna put all my crystals and lay them in a big circle, and then put like a EM pump in the center of it and kind of charge up all the crystals, and then put my recorder in and see you know if that elicits a different response. But I'm just trying to do a little more experimentation, but trying to blend the two together, you know, the technology, old school and new school. I think I think there's a there's a nice uh, connection between the two. So, uh, but yeah, I did some EVP work. I got some pretty crazy um, uh, auditorial stuff there. So, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I never get far from ghosts because um, they live in my upstairs. So that could be part of it. <laughs> <laughs> so even when we're not investigating, I'm still talking to people. And plus, like I say, we spent New Year's Eve at the old Wheeler Hotel, which is you know crazy haunted. Yeah. So um, yeah. Well, yeah, well, I know. You, you know, mean. I've been, I've been, I've been getting my ghost on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know, and I know what you're saying as far as like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, they connect to me that way, but I kind, you know, me, I, I love the my toys to be able to do the actual. Oh, I heard a voice. You know what I mean? Versus voice in my head, the actual auditorial voice. So yeah, I but what I found is I actually get fewer voices on recording now because they're just like you can hear me. Why do you, you know? So <laughs> yeah, the question like, why are you doing this? Because you can hear me. It's like because it's fun. It's just something different to do, you know? So, uh, yeah, so I, I dust off all the equipment, and I haven't pulled it out in so long. I was like, oh, my God, I forgot, I think, how to do some of this stuff. So, But I, gotta, I need to get out there. I need to get out there and do some investigating because that's what I love to do. Yes, I know. When's the last time you investigated? Oh, geez. The last investigation was with Sean and Kana. That was last year at uh, Nancy's daughter's house. Well, we did the little bit in the basement at the Wheeler. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yes, we did, didn't we? Yeah, we yeah. did try some of the different um, uh, apps that I have uh, at the Wheeler yeah, you also. Did some ghosty, you did some ghosty stuff at the Wheeler. Yeah, I got a couple cool things. And then things. we had that also at the um, at Fort Stevens that you wrote about. In oh, that was crazy. December, Paranormal that, Underground. That was the weirdest, like, but cool, like, connection. We went, of, we went back events. there. We went there on New Year's Day. Yeah, you were saying, and he was Jim there, and, and Kristen, and um, uh, Kristen's mom, Jan, and Jay Verberg, well, mm -hmm. all went, and um, yeah, he wasn't. So before we found him in that very back one, mm -hmm. he was in the one before that. He he was in a different spot, but yeah, he was still there. Wow, that's crazy. What was was crazy is when when we're, you know you take me there and we're just going there to go there and then you know you get your experience and then I see something and then we both see them see him and you and have then, a photo. Then you get a photo and then l later I'm trying to do this article and then Cheryl's telling me, "Oh, did you know that there's like these things been going on for years about this soldier?" I'm like, "What?" Or, so yeah, no, you, we had no idea. No, we had no idea when we went. We just that. went to look. We were we, we actually went to look at the shipwreck, and then we stopped. Mm -hmm. and we were like, "Hey, this looks it looks interesting. Yeah. Let's yeah, let's just take Chuck here." You know, and I was like, "There was this yeah." So yeah, you definitely have to read Paranormal Underground magazine. Uh, besides, you know, of course, all the other great stuff, but just check out their article because it's pretty uh, crazy uh, events, right? In the, or just you know, and they're spread apart too, which is kind of cool. So I like yeah, that. pretty super cool. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's go to break, shall we? Okay, that's fine. And when we come back, we'll be talking to Dan. And, um, you know, he's he's listening. I see him in the chat room, which means he now knows that I also don't have a plan. Um, Dan, you <laughs> cannot lead me astray because I have no plan. It'll all be good. We'll have a good time. So yes, stick you. around, everybody. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark here on MixLR. We'll be right back. 
Hello, this is Nolan Ethan, and you're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Good job, guys. Hey, everyone. It's Karen Frazier from Paranormal Underground Radio. I'm here to tell you about my latest book, Pioneer Spirits, Investigating the Haunted Lewis County Historical Museum. In the book, I got together with Patty Valdez, South Sound Paranormal Research. SSPR has actually interacted with the ghosts at the Lewis County Historical Museum for more than seven years, and the experiences that I've had there as a volunteer and paranormal investigator have been significant. So I'm excited to share the story of the ghosts there with you. I hope you'll pick up a copy of Pioneer Spirits so that you too can know what it's like to encounter one of Washington State's most active haunts. This book is available on Amazon.com or you can visit my website at authorkarenfraser.com. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at Paranormal UG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today. So you're looking for the best in Paranormal Radio. Well, you just found it right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back with Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with your hosts, Chuck E. G. and Karen Frazier. Hi, Karen. Hey. Gee, I'm on a roll tonight. I've, I've offended you twice, once with the story and then once with the wench comment. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe I'm just bitchy tonight. I don't That's know. Okay. No, you know, it's not. I, I didn't find you offensive. Oh, okay. Well, uh, let me explain really quickly. So okay. I spend so much of my time working with people and educating people mm-hmm. that there's nothing weird about ghosts, that they're <laughs> people without bodies, that they have yes. feelings and that thoughts and, and, mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. And so yes. when, you know, when I hear a story like that, that's just, it's, it, it sounds, it feels exploitative and that's I get right. frustrated with, with exploitation of, of anything, any, you know, people living or dead. That's I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just have a weird, sarcastic sense of humor. So, um, so yes, uh, we have our guest for this evening, Mr. Dan LaFave. Hi, Dan. How you doing? How you doing, guys? I'm doing good, man. I like your Texas accent, by the way. It's very cool. <laughs> it's kind of non-existent. It's kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't think you oh, sounded... Oh, no, when you said you were from Texas, I was surprised. I thought you sounded a lot like me, and I'm not Texan. <laughs> I don't know. I can I hear mean, a little bit not of a flavor girl. there. Yeah. <laughs> you sound like me, but you're not a girl. I'd like to clarify. Well, okay. Yeah. So that's a good. That's <laughs> yeah. A what's good funny is, uh, what's funny is everybody thinks we ride horses here and stuff. So there's some people with an accent, some people don't have it. It's kind of weird. But everybody rides horses in Texas, right? <laughs> and correct, shoots guns. Correct. Well, there and you shoots go. guns and roots for the cowboys. Nice. And you said your wife is in the in the chat room. Is that Connie Lafave? 
I see her there. That's yes. correct. Hi, Connie. How you doing? Just wanted to say hello. You know, Hi, you Connie, say hello I'm to waving like she can see me. Like yeah, we're can waving. Hey. You can't see us. We're giving you psychic <laughs> waves right now. So there you go. That's right. So, um, okay. So let's start here. So Dan, tell me a little about yourself. I mean, how, you know, you, I know you have a lifelong paranormal interest due to some experiences. Can you kind of, uh, share with us a little bit of that? Yeah. Uh, I guess in a nutshell, I've been doing this, I guess on a serious level, close to 20 years now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, it's been a lifetime thing because growing up, um, as a child and everything, uh, always had strange experiences, always saw things out of the corner of my eye, heard strange things. Uh, when I was about seven years old, my mother bought me a tape recorder, which is kind of a weird gift for a child. But at the time, there weren't many electronics, so I actually thought it was pretty cool. Right. And I used to I used to sit there and play with that analog tape recorder all the time and, and uh, record things and then uh, play it back. Well, when I was a kid, I used to hear things. And as a kid, uh, you don't really pay attention to that. It's just kind of, kind of catches you and it's almost like a game. And every once in a while I got voices coming back, you know, on the tape recorder when I played it back and I never really, never really told adults or anything, never even told my mom about it. It was just, it was something that I just enjoyed doing. And I just sit on the floor and constantly play that tape recorder back and forth and, of course, you know, being a kid, I didn't know what I was getting. I really didn't know what it was at the time. And as life basically went on, I went in the Air Force and different things. And uh, one time in the in the Air Force, I had a really strange experience. I was about 20 years old. And my grandmother was doing this back in the 80s. My grandmother was uh, not doing really well and used to talk with her quite a bit. And when I went into service, it kind of made that a little harder to do because we were constantly doing things in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And this one day, I kind of just started thinking about her, you know, thinking about making a phone call and things like that. Because I just felt that something wasn't right. Sometimes you get that feeling. Um, but I was so busy, and I felt really bad. I just never got around to the phone call. And I used to work uh, graveyard shifts in the Air Force, and... This one night when I came back in to my room, which was about uh, 8 in the morning probably, it's kind of weird, you know, with people that work the night shift. Mm -hmm. But uh, I came in and go into my room, start pulling the blinds, start getting ready for bed and everything. And out of the corner of my eyes, I look, and my grandmother's sitting on the corner of the bed looking back at me. Mm -hmm. Um, It was like a really strange, uh, very fast image, almost like, almost like you think you're imagining it, but you know, you see it. Um, Mm -hmm. and as fast as I whirled around, it it was gone. Uh, and she was just basically no expression, just sitting there on the bed, just looking, looking back at me. Well, anyway, I, I, I thought that was really strange. And, uh, about another hour or so went by, I decided to call my hand and see what was happening. And as soon as I pick up, as soon as I called, she picks up the phone. Um, she goes, I'm really sorry to, uh, tell you this. And I was like, what do you mean? And, uh, she's like, I need to tell you that your grandmother passed away this morning. It was a crisis. And yeah. And that just, uh, that, that just, that was one of the first things that kind of grabbed me. I was like really wondering what I had just seen, what, what I had experienced. And as fast as it was, it was hard to put any type of rationalization, you know, towards the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but trans, transgressing into how I got in serious nature, I was always uh, having these experiences and also reading a lot about other people having experiences. And uh, the main thing I always thought about, I thought about, well, you know, ghost stories are really interesting, but it's the stuff really, really happening to people. Mm-hmm. And up to that point, I hadn't had a concrete experience to really solidify that side of the paranormal. So I decided at that point I wanted to go a little deeper. And again, this was about 20 years ago. And I decided, I started doing research into uh, haunted hotels because I wanted to go stay in a very haunted hotel, some place that had a lot of documentation mm-hmm. and a lot of different experiences. And the first place I was thinking about was the Myrtles Plantation in Louisiana. Sure. Because um, there were a lot of things going on, and I read a book about it, and it was just very interesting and very intriguing. But it was also about an 11-hour drive uh, from San Antonio, where I was at the time. And so I decided, well, I need to maybe try to find something a little closer. And I ended up reading about Jefferson, Texas, which is in northeast Texas, and it's about a nine-hour drive from San Antonio. And they had a hotel there called the uh, the uh, Jefferson Hotel and had a lot of history with this hotel and a lot of experiences. And what I decided to do was go stay for four nights in a row during the week when they didn't have any guests and stay in a different room every single night. And basically, I was going to see basically what I was going to run into. And when I went, I asked the attendant, I said, I'd like you to put me in four of your most documented rooms over the last month, last two months that have, that people have had the most experiences. Mm-hmm. And they went and did that. And to make a long story short, I just ran into amazing, amazing things. Uh, one of the, one of the things that really grabbed me during that trip was the night clerk used to leave at 9 PM in the evening. And they basically leave you in the hotel all alone. And there was about oh, 25 nice. rooms in this. You're right. They leave the, about 25 rooms in this hotel. And there was a key punch on the front door. So if you went out, they gave you the code to basically punch and get back in. And literally, I asked the night clerk when I got there, I said, how many people are in here? She goes, uh, it's you and one other person downstairs. You have the whole run of the hotel. So I, I asked her, I said, is anybody upstairs with me? And she's like, no, I, it's just a person downstairs. So I asked her if she would be okay to un- unlock all the doors upstairs so that I could have access to all the rooms in case things started happening. And she was like, yeah, I'll definitely do that as long as you don't uh, mess with things in the other rooms. Well, anyway, we were going down the hallway, and this was, this was right before she was getting ready to leave around 9 p.m., she, we're literally going down and she's unlocking every single door and I'm looking at all these rooms and they decorate the rooms all differently. So I was really into that as far as the history. And we get all the way to the end of the hallway and she's like, well, I need to leave now. And she goes down the stairs and I hear the front door close. Well, I start fiddling around, start walking into these rooms and all of a sudden I turned and I heard all the doors slam behind me. <laughs> And I walk down. I walk down the hallway, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Um, I unlock my uh, door to the room I was staying in, and then I start trying all these other doors, and they're all locked. Um, you know, and I clearly watched this desk clerk unlock everything, and we tested the doorknobs, 
And there was no way to lock these doors except from the inside of the rooms. Mm-hmm. And literally, I could hear things inside these rooms as I was walking down the hallway. And it was just downright creepy. It was just like there were people in that hotel with me at the time. Well, and again, to make a long story sh- right, make a long story short, uh, several other things happened while I was there for the four night visit. And it just really, really grabbed me. Um, a little history on the town. Uh, you guys know the movie Poltergeist. Yes. Um, yeah. There's another hotel across the street from that hotel called the Excelsior, which is also historic and has a lot of ghost stories. Well, Steven Spielberg, back in the late 70s, went and actually stayed in that hotel because he wanted to see what, I guess he had the idea for Poltergeist at the time, and he wanted to get, some good, I guess, uh, evidence and some experiences. And the way that story goes is he went in and went into one of the rooms, uh, one of the rooms where they had reported activity. And he basically put his briefcase down on the bed right when he walked in the room. And then he was like looking around the room and he heard a noise and he heard the door slam shut and he looks and he turns around and his briefcase went all the way from the bed to the door. Mm-hmm. And it's like sitting by the door. And it's rumored that a lot of things happened to him that night. He's never talked about it. But, you know, we were thinking that he got a lot of ideas from that. And also another story out of Houston called the Black Coat Horror story. And that's where he got all the ideas uh, for Poltergeist. But that's, all that really just grabbed me. And that's what got me going on this journey. And I've been on four different uh, paranormal teams over the last 20 years. And uh, basically, we were on three teams, and I actually met my wife, Connie, while we were on one team, and we started dating, and then we ended up getting married. And uh, we were actually, uh, that team that we were on at the time was a TAPS family family member team out of San Antonio, um, you know, with the show Ghost Hunters. Mm -hmm. And I was the uh, family manager for that team. Hmm. And uh, then we branched off into another team. And then we ended up forming our own group uh, in 2008 called Graveyard Shift Paranormal Investigations. And we've probably done neighborhood, I mean, we've done a lot of investigations, probably. I, I know just myself over the last 20 years, I've done hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. But I know during the time that we've been in, in our group, we've done them all over Texas. Uh, we've done ghost towns. We've done uh, uh, doctor's offices, attorney offices. Um military base housing you you name it we've done it mm-hmm. and we just seen some incredible things i mean i've just seen i've seen things that it's just really hard to explain and i guess that's what keeps me going and keeps me looking for more you know trying to put more answers to that equation and everything mm-hmm. um i really have no doubt that they exist because I've, I've seen things and i've experienced things and we've gotten some wild evps over the years but I guess the point where we're at is we're trying to figure out why they exist, who they are, and, uh, you know, why, why they're basically around. That's kind of where we're at at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back way at the beginning when we were talking about when you were a kid and you got the tape recorder. There was something I wanted to ask. Um, right. When you, when you were getting the voices, as a kid you're taping and you're getting the voices, what is your thought process? What are you, what are you thinking 
I used to play with a tape recorder too, Dan. I had first a reel-to-reel tape recorder, if that dates me any, and then cassette recorder. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I used to play with them all the time. <laughs> that, shows, that shows how old we are and everything. Right? Yeah, no. no kidding. So, but I mean, what was your thought process as a kid? Just thinking, ah, oh, that's cool, it's his voices? Or what, were you curious then? I mean, what, what was your thought process on that? Well, I'll be honest with you. Around that time, uh, I was born in the late 60s, and uh, about that time, that was probably middle 70s, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, a few years after that, I think in 1977, that's when the paranormal shows really started coming out. The In Search of show came out Mm -hmm. with uh, Leonard Nimoy, Mm -hmm. and that's one of the first shows, I think, that really, really grabbed me, you know, as Mm -hmm. far as curiosity and knowing what these things are. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I used to do, I didn't really know what they were to be honest with, and it didn't happen real frequently, but it did happen. Right. And, uh, every once in a while, um, you know, I guess as a kid, I guess it's hard to think now, but I think I was thinking more like maybe it was background noise that I was thinking at the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, even though there was, n- there was nobody else around, you know, I was basically <laughs> doing this in quiet environments, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. Right. Um, the funny thing, though, is that a lot of times they would answer him back directly to questions that I was asking. Right. And you got to imagine, you know, a six-year-old, seven-year-old kid, you kind of ask some dorky questions sometimes because you kind of <laughs> sit there no, and, sit there and I play love a the game, you know, with the, the tape recorder. <laughs> and, you know, you know, kids... Right, and you probably remember kids also like to hear their own voice coming back, oh, you know, on tape howdy. recorders. So we, we do a lot of goofy things on, on the tape recorder. And, you know, sometimes we'll run it for five minutes, ten minutes, whatever it is. But these these weird things, these weird voices, I didn't figure out till later, you know, what they might possibly be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, thinking back on it now, um, I think it's almost like something's been drawing me my whole life, you know, to exploring and things like that. Well, nice. so let's talk about that because... I hear this is a really common theme that I hear with people who are legit in the paranormal. And um, I consider that you've been doing this for 20 years. You've been exploring it since you were a kid. You are legit in the paranormal. You're not somebody who saw a TV show and decided you were going to be the next Zach Bagans or something. Um, Correct. And so one of the things you hear, and I know I believe this firmly about myself, and I consider that I'm legit in the paranormal as well, is that I believe that this is what I was supposed to do, that I've been drawn to it since I was a very young child. So, and it sounds like you sort of feel that way too. Why do you think that is? And do you encounter that in other people who you consider to be legit in the paranormal? I think it's like, uh, it's almost like an enigma type thing, like a curiosity. It's something, it's something that draws us. Like I'll give you a good example. My wife was also drawn into this field for a reason. When she was a little girl um, here in West Texas, uh, her and her sister used to sleep in the same bed together. It's like a really big bed. And my wife tells this story often because it's, it's basically what, what grabbed her and pulled her into it. Uh, one night she, uh, she woke up like really late and she couldn't figure out, you know, what it was. And I guess she was kind of stirring half asleep, half awake. And she was she basically described how she always slept on her stomach, uh, towards the inside. The bed was, the bed was up against the wall basically. And she slept with her hand between the wall and the bed, uh, on her stomach. 
Well, this one night, she just had this strange feeling, and something grabbed her arm so hard and pulled her towards the wall, basically making her head hit the wall, almost like it was trying to pull her through the wall. And she said that that incident just freaked her out. And, you know, just hearing her talk about that story now and looking in her eyes every time she tells the story, you just, you know, you can imagine how shocking it was, you know, for her at the time. So I, I think going along with, you know, being kids and having things happen, there were many shocking things. Um, there were there were different nights. Um, I had a single mother, basically, so our house was pretty quiet, and I was a, I was a single child. Um, so I could hear everything going on in the house uh, at different places that we lived. And at times, and I know houses make noises, houses settle, you know, different things like that. But at times, I, it almost sounded like my mother was walking around the house. And I could hear footsteps like really loud, and sometimes I could hear voices. And then when I would go check it out or knock on her door to try to figure out what was going on, I'd realize that she was uh, deep asleep. And she would be like really upset for for me waking her up, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, as a kid, you're kind of embarrassed, you know, to tell adults, you know, what you're kind of experiencing, because uh, most of the time, kids always hear that it's just your imagination, or you yes. know, the famous boogeyman bo- boogeyman story in the closet. You know, it, you're just you're just seeing something, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but how often you know, do you we, think uh, actually the boogeyman in the closet is actually the kid seeing something? You never know. That's just yeah. it. Um, we we've done lots of different paranormal cases that involve kids, and a lot of times these these kids would be freaking out over things, you know. Mm-hmm. And you got to kind of draw the line somewhere. You're not. You got to say, okay, where where might this possibly be a kid's imagination, and where might this possibly be something else? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we, one of the things that me and my wife do whenever we go in on a paranormal case, we do a lot of private cases. We interview the people very deeply. And usually what I'll do is if I get an email from a potential client, I will usually send them back a very long list of questions through the email and, and actually see if they're going to take the time to uh, sit down and actually answer all these things, you know, and mm-hmm. then email it back to me. Right. And, you know, and, you know, we've had several potential people saying, you know, we like an investigation and they give a story and then you do all that and you don't hear anything back you yeah. know, from them. Yeah. And you, Been there, done that. And, yeah. and then you, yeah. right. And you figure out right away, they're probably just looking for excitement or they're thinking we're like the TV shows and mm-hmm. they want us to come in, you know, just to see all our equipment and things like that. Right. And then and then you get these other people every once in a while and you know these authentic what what we call authentic paranormal cases it's a very low percentage you know it, it's not very high at all. Right. And right. and you get these people and they're very credible, they're very professional, they're usually in very uh good fields. They're usually almost scared to talk about it because they don't they w- they don't want to be ridiculed about it. Mm-hmm. Um and they usually, they usually have a lot of questions, and the ones that have kids, they definitely have a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And some of these people are just downright scared, you know, when we talk to them. Yeah. And, you know, you sit, you sit down and you do interviews with these people, and you just automatically feel and you know that they're credible, 
and that all these stories that they're telling you about their experiences, you just, you feel it, you know, because it's almost like, it's almost like they get scared all over again while they're telling the story, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of the same way that um, my team has always done it is, is that's the way you weed out the people, like you said, you know, when you're doing the, uh, the, uh, the large amount of questions and some of the questions can get kind of personal too, because you want to find out the background Correct. of the person because you don't want to walk into a house with a bunch of crazy people and then you're in trouble. You know what I mean? And you're trying to back out, <laughs> trying to back out of the house. You know what I mean? So you need to know right. who you're dealing with and what their mindset is and, and that kind of stuff. So I, it's a, I think that's a good, that's a, a good point that I point out to people who are just getting into the field and they want to know what to do. I mean, I think that's a very important part of the process, you know, um, a, a very important part, you know, because it's, it's besides weeding them out for people who are just thrill seekers. It's also a safety f factor too, on top of that. So. Exactly. And, and you brought up a good point earlier about the paranormal considering how long I've been doing it. Um, 2004 was the date that ghost hunters went on the air mm -hmm. and, Seriously, before that, there really weren't many paranormal shows. I mean, there were some out there, you know, that grabbed some interest. But honestly, that's the show that really got people going. Mm -hmm. And it basically went from an overnight thing where there was people didn't even know who to contact. The paranormal is almost like a taboo subject. Right. If you went around, if you went around talking about ghosts, talking about hauntings, or talking about investigating the paranormal people would look strange at you back then yeah. and and then all of a sudden this thing was on tv and it starts opening up the world a lot more and you you go from basically a state with just a few uh known paranormal groups who've been doing it a long time to all of a sudden all these groups all over the place right and and it's and it's still happening you know you see right. a lot of people that want to get into it for various right. reasons mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, i and I think, so, like you said, I think some people are in it for the thrill part, mm -hmm. and some people are in it for more of the research, more of trying to find the answer part, that type of thing. Exactly. And some people are in it because they want to help. Mm -hmm. Correct. So, correct. Yeah. yeah, that's correct. Well, like you said, you've been, uh, you know, on different teams and such, so I want to kind of backtrack that a bit. And so on, on, on being on these different teams – there's different approaches, correct? And different. That um, is correct. That is okay. correct. Yeah, you, you. Every every team has a different philosophy how you kind mm -hmm. of approach things. Okay. Can you like touch on some of those? Is there well, a way to, why don't we go to break first? Just oh, because okay. we're coming up against break, sure. and so I want to give Dan plenty of time to answer that in the way he sees fit, instead of rushing him through to break. So uh, let's Sounds do this. Good. We'll go. We'll go to break just a, a minute or two early here. Uh, we're talking to Dan LaFave, who is the founder of Graveyard Shift Paranormal in Texas, although he doesn't sound like he's from Texas. And um, we're having a great conversation. We'll be back in a few minutes on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark on MixLR. You are a waste, a loser. Everyone hates you. Why don't you just stay in your car and keep driving? I'm serious. Drive until you run out of gas and get out of your car and walk until you find someone who doesn't think you're dumber than bricks. Could take a while, but at least all that walking might burn a couple of calories. You may not witness bullying like this every day. Your kids do. They want to help, but they don't know how. Visit StopBullying.gov to learn safe, simple ways your child can help stop bullying. Be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. 
Where do you want to go to lunch? I'm having a stroke. Did you hear what I said? I'm having a stroke. Why aren't you answering me? I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. Look for FAST. F. Face drooping. A. Arm weakness. S. Speech difficulty. T. Time to call 911 immediately. Know the sudden signs. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Hello, this is Nolan Ethan, and you're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Good job, guys. Welcome back. This You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, Chucky G. We are talking to Dan LaFave, founder of Graveyard Shift Paranormal Investigations. And I was going to ask him a question right before break. Right before I so rudely interrupted you. You oh. rudely interrupted me and said, we got to take a break. Shut the heck up, Chuck. Uh, Karen uh, Whatever. So, no, I wanted to know. I was, thinking, I was going to uh, delve into the, I wanted to know the differences of the philosophies of the groups he was with. Like, you know, um, and how did he fit in? Well, like you ask have, him, not me. No, I'm, no, I'm saying out loud, you know, <laughs> that, um, you know, how did he fit into these different groups? Since, you know, you, you probably had the same philosophy, but you're going to groups that have different philosophies. So how did that work? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, out of all the teams I've been on, I've been a, I've been a lead investigator on each one of them. And uh, you get on these different teams with these founders, basically, that create the teams. And like you said, everyone kind of has a different approach. And obviously, if you're on somebody else's team, you pretty much have to go down down their road uh, right. as far as how they want to do things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be difficult because uh, it depends on what type of rules, what type of guidelines they're setting. Um, one of the biggest things we do on our team is confidentiality. That's a big thing because we... Sure. We, we handle so many private clients and a lot of, a lot of them are very professional people. And a lot of times they don't, they just don't want anything getting out. Um, so I've been on different teams where, uh, sometimes they're, they're the same way, you know, where they keep everything very confidential. Uh, also they, they kind of direct things a little differently. Um, one of the one of the ways we we do things, and I guess in the past it's kind of angered my wife and myself, and I think it's one of the reasons why we decided to finally do our own thing because we mm-hmm. picked up so much experience, you know, as we went down the road. Right. Uh, whenever we used to uh, go on an investigation, um, of course the the founder, whatever running the group at the time, would be setting all the guidelines and. We, we go in and investigate usually two at a time, you know, in a particular location and the rest of the team would be outside uh, or at a base station uh, pretty far away. And so you'd be doing your thing inside. And me and my wife used to kind of group together a lot. And I don't know what it is with me and her, but whenever we're recording and we're running uh, EVP sessions, we just seem to get the most amazing things coming back on our recorders. Like, we're not talking like just uh, one word or two words. We're getting like full sentences coming back. And uh, they come back in different accents, uh, also different languages. Um, and when we were on these other, these other teams before, um, sometimes we used to play this incredible evidence, you know, for the leaders of these teams. And they didn't act like they were very interested, you know, in what we got. Mm-hmm. And... We're, you know, it's kind of frustrating because you know you got this incredible evidence, 
um, but the people you're showing it to don't seem very interested or they're not into what you're getting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after a while, you're just kind of like, okay, um, maybe, you know, maybe we need to um, start looking at a team and you kind of go in that direction. Um, The other thing that a lot of people run into on a lot of teams, I'm sure you guys probably know this, is drama. Um, there's always, <laughs> no, there's stop. always some, You're kidding. Yeah, there's always, there's always some form of drama that comes up, you know, on, on, on just about every team. Um, and we've even had it on our own team, you know, at different times. Um, sometimes we've had as many as 11 members on our team. Um, and then it shrinks. And we've gotten to the point where we just kind of have a group of people that we like to just go out and, and do it with. Um, you know, people we've known a long time and mm-hmm. who have been in our group or in our group. And then we, you know, we pair off every once in a while with other people here in Texas, uh, Alejandro Dominguez, the Dead Explorer. And um, we also know some other people. Um, a good friend of ours, uh, Joe Rivera, um, actually owns the Black Swan uh, in San Antonio. And that's been on TV several times. And we've also investigated Yorktown Hospital here, um, which was just an incredible investigation back in 2009. And uh, that's been on TV as well. Um, but I guess I guess where I'm going with all this is you just run into different personalities. You run into different manners, the way people do things, uh, the way they set things up, uh, the way they approach the analysis on the evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they go down the road from there, you know, once they get the evidence, things like right. that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, uh, the other thing I was going to say real quick was me and my wife decided we wanted to, uh, start putting out a lot of the evidence. So we went and created a YouTube channel, uh, several years ago and, uh, it's called strange chronicles, uh, from the graveyard shift. Yes. I've and seen it already. We just put all, yeah, we take all our really good evidence and we put it on there you know, mm-hmm. so that people can see what we're getting. Yeah. I was going to talk about that. Cause I, I get on there today and was watching some of the different things that you'd gotten. I think one, one of them was you were with Alejandro too. And another team, I believe it was, Oh, it was his team or a different team. Right. Um, so, so yeah, so that she decided, you know, you were done with the drama, done with the different teams. It was on to making your own team. Um, and I, I kind of agree on that too. I mean, though you have to. I mean, if you have a team, you got to you, you got to know there's a dichotomy of difference of opinions and way people you know right. uh, look at things and stuff like that. So you have to kind of take that into consideration somewhat. Um, but you know, you you still all want to be at least enthused at the same stuff you're catching. You know, I mean, that's the whole purpose of what you're doing is to because you have that passion, you know what I mean? And stuff like that. So, uh, it does get Correct. a little hard. It, it does get hard if you're, <laughs> if you're like doing this, going, check this out. It's unbelievable. And they're like, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. You know, <laughs> it's not, yeah. it's not a good feeling, you know, when yeah. you know you have good evidence, but nobody else is interested in it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. Um, Oh, go ahead. What is that? No, I was just laughing. It's okay. You know what? As long as you're interested in it, that's what really matters. Yeah, there you go. Well said, Karen. Um, so you've written some books, too, I, I believe I've read, sir. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I've written two books, and I'm in the process of completing a third right now. One was cool. uh, Shadow. What are, was what Sha- are your books about? Yep. Yeah, one's, uh, one's called Shadow of the Ghost Hunter. I uh, did that one about four years ago. And uh, the second one I did about two years ago is called uh, The Supernatural Texas and the Old West. 
Nice. So and, what, and what are you and working both, on? They're now? both on Amazon. Yeah. Great. What are you working on? Well, now? that one I don't want to. To be honest with you, I'm not trying to be a fuddy duddy, but I don't want to release it, uh, the okay. name or anything. Um, but I can I can say that I'm probably going to have it out in the next month. Oh, um, congratulations! That's and cool. it's going to be it's going to be a very uh, interesting book. Um, it is about a location here in Texas, but it's very very interesting. And it's it's a place I've explored a lot, and it has a lot of stories to go along with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I just want to point out you did date yourself because you just said fuddy-duddy. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> uses that term anymore, right? No, I haven't heard that in a long I time. people still use that term. Really, right? I haven't heard that forever. That, that was oh, like, oh, my God, I probably on. back to it. Well, I've heard of it because I'm old. A, don't be such a fuddy-duddy. Oh, look at that. We're throwing it around all night now. Fuddy-duddy. I'm going to use that tomorrow. So um, so what are so the two books you have, Shadow of the Ghost Hunter and The Supernatural, what are each one about? Like, that's what we're trying to, like, what? what well, the, the, uh, the Shadow of the Ghost Hunter, basically, I covered concepts and I covered how to do it, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, how the, the techniques I've used uh, to get the best evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, basically every, I, I guess you could say I poured myself into that book. Um, the idea where I got the idea from that book is I collect a lot of different paranormal books. Um, I know a lot of people who have written these books. Um, some other people I've never met like Dr. Hans Holzer and different people, mm-hmm. but, um, I, I just have this huge, uh, paranormal library. And one, one day I had a friend, uh, looking at the library and he had a lot of questions about the paranormal and he he was asking me if i had a book in that paranormal library that covered all his questions and he was asking me quite a bit you know about it and i started looking at the books and i started realizing you know these books are great but i don't see anything real in depth that covers all of these things you know that Mm -hmm. he was asking me Mm -hmm. so i thought you know i thought at the time it'd be good to sit down and really put my brain and my mind uh, up to that point as to how long I've done it and and just really thought it out real carefully as I wrote it um, so that any new people coming into the field um, could read it and get a, get a good uh, basic knowledge of, of how to really start off the right way, you know, the right approach. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just figured, you know, it would help people a lot more and uh, – I go really deep in a lot of different things in the book. So I, I cover ITC, um, you know, EVPs, uh, just a lot of different areas. And mm-hmm. it's a pretty interesting book. You know, everybody that's bought it has, has liked it. And uh, that's one of the reasons, you know, why I continue to write. Right. Was The Supernatural, was that book the, uh, the same format or was it different or? No, the, the main idea with uh, the first book covered basically all the techniques, all the concepts, different explanation, how to do it. The second book covers more of the places we've been to all over Texas and what, and what we ran into. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's not just a ghost story book. It's deeper. It's not only what we ran into, but it covers a lot of the history of these places and why we think the things that are happening there are happening. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have enjoyed that because, um, you know, there's a lot of times people want to get a book and they want to know where the good places are, you know, really get a good idea. And sometimes in some places you, you always see the same, same locations mentioned over and over and over and over. 
Um, well, you know, like in the state of Texas, it's a very uh, large state, and we're just constantly finding new places, new locations where there's amazing things going on, where these unknown stories um, just aren't brought to the public. And then you, you know, you explore these stories and you go and investigate and you just get this incredible information and it just gives you an idea for another book. You just keep going. Mm-hmm. Now there's a, isn't there like the, is it, is it the Yorkville hospital that's down in Texas? The Yorktown hospital. Yorktown. Okay. Yeah. That's Yorktown, Yorktown yeah. Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And have you guys done that one? We actually were one of the first groups in there. Um, a good friend of ours actually owns the hospital. Okay. And when we were on the uh, when we were on the Taps family member team that I was telling you guys about out of San Antonio, um, you know, we were all in our circle, and basically one day he came up to us and he said, "I just bought this hospital," and he's an attorney. Uh, he's a probate attorney out of San Antonio. Mm-hmm. and uh, his partner is actually Joe Rivera, who owns the Black Swan Inn. Uh, well, anyway, Phil was like, you know, I just bought this hospital, and, and what happened was he, being an attorney, he was down at the courthouse one day, and, I get, you know, he talks with obviously a lot of different attorneys, knows a lot of different people, and he ran into another attorney friend of his who mentioned that he was selling the hospital, this mm-hmm. abandoned hospital down in Yorktown. And he mentioned to Phil that this hospital had a lot of very, very strange things going going on in it. So Phil was basically all over that and decided to buy it um, and basically start fixing it up. I mean, it was in really bad shape. It was abandoned for probably 25 years. And uh, when you initially went in there, there was a lot of work he had to do, a lot of clearing out, things like that. But we were one. We were the first group in there. We did the very first event, paranormal uh, opening, basically to everybody, while we were on that group. And I guess they invited something like, uh, of course, people paid to come in, um, but they had refreshments and everything before they started the event. Mm-hmm. And that event went on probably about three or four hours. But the bad part about that event was that there were so many people there that even though they were running around investigating, there was so much contamination. Yeah, right. And, right, and me and my wife, basically, after that event, we were like, you know, I bet you that nobody really came out with any anything really credible at that point mm-hmm. uh, to prove that there were paranormal things in there. So me and my wife in 2009, just a few months after that, we got the idea. We're like, we need to do a paranormal documentary and just kind of go a little deeper and, you know, put some interviews in and, and see what we find. And we basically went in there on an all night investigation. And I mean, it was just downright scary. Some of the stuff we ran into. And, um, I mean, one of, one of our groups of guys, and this is kind of funny, nobody knows this on the video, but obviously when you're, when you're trying to film a paranormal documentary, you don't really know what you're doing. Cause back then, we were still learning about filming. We didn't even really know what we were doing. We, we knew about investigation, but we didn't know about filming a documentary. Um, mm-hmm. So what I would do is I would send the guys off and I would film them with the camera. So I'd be walking behind them with this camera in this pitch black basement of this hospital. Um, I'm behind them. So there's no light. It's infrared filming. So, the whole time I'm just trying to keep from running into things, you know, trying to keep them in the frame. Mm-hmm. And I was following these guys around 
and we just got this weird feeling in this room that something was about to happen. And I kept kind of, I didn't want to whirl around the camera because that would have been really obvious because right. um, I wanted to keep them in the frame. But I just had this feeling there was something coming up behind me and I could hear things like footsteps coming up. And about that moment, right when I just had the feeling it was there, uh, something picked up a two by four and threw it at us. And it's just really loud, you know, on that video and everything. And most people don't, most people don't realize how, how freaked out I was. The guys, the guys kind of froze at the moment and didn't know what to do. And I'm basically pointing at him, telling him, you know, I'm like pointing back into the room. Right. And we're going back in there and everybody just had a freaked out feeling at that point. Mm -hmm. And later that night, me and my wife went in the basement uh, by ourselves. Our, we were running into uh, equipment malfunctions all night. And the main thing was our batteries on our cameras, even though we were constantly plugging them in, we're constantly losing charge. We, we couldn't keep a charge on the cameras. Um, and about 4 a.m., me and my wife decided to go down one last time down to the basement. And our cameras had, had hardly any charge on them at that point. They were all plugged in. So we decided to just go down there by ourselves without a flashlight and uh, recorders uh, to run an EVP session. It was just me and her. Mm -hmm. and something was walking around us while we were down there, and it was saying things. Um, at one point, it said verbally, uh, it gave her an answer, and I could hear this male voice coming from the other side of her, and, and she's thinking, I'm playing a joke because we're in the pitch black. We couldn't see each other at all. Right, right. I mean, you could put your hand right in front of your face, and you just couldn't see it. Well, she thought the voice was so loud on her right side she thought I was on her right side because she heard the footsteps coming up. I heard the footsteps and literally walked right up to her. And then it yelled this loud voice into her ear. And I could hear it. It was so loud. I could hear it on the other side. And right away on the recording, she's like, Dan, quit, uh, quit playing around with me. And I'm just on the other side, on the left side of her, just freaking out, just with my mouth open. And all of a sudden I'm like, I'm like, that wasn't me. You know, and this went on for several minutes. I mean, this is walking around and we couldn't figure out what the basement deal was. It was just so active. And later the story came out about the hospital, what happened actually down there was documented. Um, the hospital had become a mental facility at some point, a mental drug, uh, not a mental, I'm sorry, a, a drug treatment facility. And this was probably in the, in the seventies or sixties, some, something like that. And basically the way the story goes is there were three patients that went down there and I guess they were doing a break or something, hiding out, smoking uh, cigarettes or whatever they were doing. And they, they had like a, a, a trying, a love triangle type thing going on. And one of them wasn't happy about it and they got into a fight and supposedly, uh, I'm trying to remember at this point if it was a knife or a gun, but something went, I think it was a knife, um, basically uh, was stabbing and blood went up on the wall and everything. And uh, two, I believe two of the people were killed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all this came out later after we, you know, we found this out a few years later. And, you know, when you're thinking about what we ran into in the basement and then you hear the story and uh, Ghost Adventures went into the hospital later and they, they elaborated more on the story when they were in there. Right. Um, 
but you know, more more history just kept popping out about this place, and hmm. it's it's just a downright creepy place. We can't wait to go back. Yeah, I've always want that's one of the places I've always wanted that I have to get to and check out. You know, because I have a buddy who lives in Texas, so maybe I have to go visit him so I can go check it out. I, I guarantee, yeah, you walk in that place, you're going to feel it. it. It just has that feeling, even in the daytime. Mm-hmm. Nice. <clears throat> so we're talking about ghosts and all, but I hear we're now branching off into other areas of the paranormal, such as UFOs and cryptozoology. Is that correct? That is correct. That's always been a big interest of mine as well. Okay. So do you have big foot, big feet, big foot? Big, big feet. I, to be I, honest I, with you, I don't know what the plural is in Texas. <laughs> well, you know, I, I have, I have, I have big feet too. I wear size fourteen. So they are big feet. Oh my gosh, you have the same size. Dun, dun, dun. Like, big, gigantic feet. Oh Lord! I mean, if I if I went walking around and people saw my footprints, they'd probably think I was Bigfoot. <laughs> my question is: um, Is Bigfoot in Texas? Yes, uh, Bigfoot is actually, you'd be surprised. Uh, there's stories about Bigfoot. Most of the time you just hear about California, Oregon, and Washington, and uh, a few other areas. But there are Bigfoot stories and Bigfoot sightings all over the place. Um, I was telling you guys earlier that uh, we know Ken Gerhard really well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's in, he's in the crypto and everything. And he goes really deep on exploring these things. Well, there's been a, we're in West Texas, but there's been sightings like all around the state. And even in West Texas, there's been sightings. Um, and what, you know, usually what, the way it happens is it always surprises people. Um, I talked to one lady years, years ago um, up in East Texas. And the funny thing, have, have you guys ever been to Texas at all? I have not, no. Okay, Texas is so large that we literally have every region in the state. We, we have mountains in the state. We have coastal region in the state. Uh, we have prairie in the state. We also have pine trees in the state. So you have all these different elements um, all around. Mm-hmm. And again, Bigfoot has been reported all throughout the state. And uh, the main area, of course, is up in East Texas. And years ago, I talked to this lady, um, it wasn't even at a Bigfoot conference. It was just, I think it was up in the Jefferson area. Mm-hmm. And literally the pine trees up there are so thick that people, people have their homes um, cut out of the trees, basically, you know, the, the lots and everything. Right. And as soon as you, as soon as you step over like the border, if you're back lot and you walk six feet into the trees, you almost can't see. That's how thick the trees are. So, so the woods, the woods are pretty thick as far as the piney woods are concerned. Mm-hmm. And this lady was telling me this story and I don't even remember how I bounced into her, but, um, we got, Oh, I know. I think she's coming asking me about the paranormal and asking me about ghosts. And eventually it, en- it ended up on the Bigfoot story. She wanted to tell me about an encounter that she had. Well, I could tell she was telling the truth because as she was talking, I watched her eyes and her eyes literally got really, really big while she was telling me the story. She was just getting all scared all over again. And the way it went was she was out around 6 PM in the evening, um, had her kids out in the backyard. 
and she didn't have a uh, didn't have a dryer. She just had a washer. Mm-hmm. So she would literally go out and hang up her clothes up on clotheslines, you know, in the backyard. And she had one of those houses that borders on the pine trees and really thick back there. And she said while she was hanging her clothes, she's putting up sheets and different things, she, her dog starts barking. She had a dog on a chain. And the dog just starts freaking out. And the dog was like, I guess, behind the sheets. She couldn't really see what it was barking at. And she just said the dog just started going ballistic. And, you know, she wasn't really paying attention to it because obviously sometimes we hear our dogs bark. We just think they're barking at a cat or something. Um, so she's like literally doing the laundry, keep, put, keep putting the laundry up. And, and all of a sudden, out of the corner of her eye, I guess the wind was kind of blowing the sheets. Between the sheets, she sees like a dark figure approaching and while she's looking through the crack, she literally froze. And I guess the wind blew the sheet a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And this time, when it blew around, she saw two legs standing about seven feet from her. Ha- hairy legs, hairy feet, mm-hmm. uh, really big feet, she described. I but she couldn't see the rest of this day, creature. But... <laughs> yeah. Right. She couldn't, I guess it, maybe it wasn't seven feet, maybe it was a little farther away, but she could see it up underneath. Mm-hmm. And she literally froze at that point because she thought it was an intruder coming up. You know, she mm-hmm. thought somebody had walked up on her. That was her first reaction. And then she described how she walked around and she started staring around the sheet. And right at that point, she, she sees this large figure running away. Right. And she described it as really big. And this is how I got a good reference point of how big um, I'm six foot five. So I was pretty big oh, standing wow, next tall. to her. And I asked her, yeah, I asked her at the time, I said, okay, I said, you see how tall I am? I said, give me a perspective of how big this figure was that you saw. And she just stared at me for the longest time. I could tell she was like really trying to analyze and trying to figure that out. And all of a sudden, she kind of stands back a little bit. I guess she was trying to get a perspective of how far away she was. And she goes, you know, this figure was much, much bigger than you. And I said, I said, okay, when you say how much bigger, I started taking my hand and putting it up over my head. And I kept going up and up and up. Um, I got to the eight-foot figure, and she kept telling me to point upward. Wow. It was so... Yeah, eight feet is pretty big. You know, six foot five is pretty big. So, um, and the main thing with that story was, again, I could just, you know, when you're when you're hearing some of these people tell their story, um, I'm used. I can tell. I guess I've been doing this so long. I can tell if they've been lying or not, or if they're just telling a story that's total fiction to get attention. Mm-hmm. Um, she wasn't. She was telling me a real encounter. You know, hmm. and she. Again, she was getting all freaked out all over again while she was describing the whole thing. She mm. was literally shaking at one point while she was telling the story to me. Wow. And it scared her so bad at the time. This thing ran off into the woods. Um, she said she watched it for about five or six seconds. She got like a really good perspective. Mm. And she said it scared her so bad she didn't even want to go in those woods. She, uh, I think she waited like another four months and then she moved. She couldn't even handle it. Wow. And, um, and again, there's been stories like that all over Texas. Um, and again, you can tell the real ones from the fake ones. And 
uh, the way some of these stories up here in West Texas have gone, uh, you get a lot of them from truck drivers going down the highway late, late at night. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll be driving, and there's this one story that wasn't too far from us that occurred uh, probably about 10 years ago. And this truck driver was just driving around, I guess around 4 in the morning, 3 in the morning, nobody up on the highway, very lonely highway. And he, he sees this big figure standing up against the fence line um, right up the highway. And right as he's looking at it, he starts to brake and slow the truck down, and he slows the truck down and looks back in his mirror, and he said this thing literally stepped over the fence without any effort at all. And, and disappeared into all the brush. There was a lot of brush there. Mm-hmm. And he went back to the fence, and the fence actually, uh, you know, barbed wire fence, it stood up probably, uh, you know, close to five to six feet. So, you know, if something can actually step over a fence like that, you know, it's pretty big. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Texas, we don't, I think in the East Texas, they have bears, but the rest of Texas, we don't have bears. So you can't, mm-hmm. you know, you can't use that. You know, other parts of the country, uh, bears might be confused with something like that. But in certain areas of Texas, you know, there's just no way. Right. And uh, Ken, Ken again, uh, Ken Gerhardt has had a lot of uh, things around San Antonio that he's explored, that he's told us about. And um, some of these stories are just really amazing. And I've talked to lots of other people. And I guess that's another thing that's just grabbed me. It wants me to go out and... You know, I've never, I'll admit, I've never seen one of them. I've seen UFOs, what mm-hmm. I consider to be a UFO, right. but I've never seen a Bigfoot. And I'm kind of on that nature where I want to see again um, if all these stories are true or not. And me and my wife are going to go out and go out with some other friends and see what we can find. Mm-hmm. Well, that, so tell me about the UFO that you saw. Well, uh, that's an interesting story. Um I used to be in the Air Force. I was Air Force Security Police when I was in. I used to work uh, top secret areas around the country. Um, I've been out so long, I'm not afraid to talk about this anymore. But I used to work at a rocket base in California called Vandenberg Air Force Base. And it was right up on the Pacific Coast, uh, right above Santa Barbara. And every once in a while, you'll watch news reports uh, from California, and people see what looks like UFOs in the sky. And we kind of laugh because we look at some of those and we know right away they're rocket launches because we, we used to launch so many rockets from the base. We know, we know what a rocket looks like when it's, uh, you know, about to go out into space. It creates this really uh, big glow in the sky, and it's just really strange looking. Well, where I'm going with this is that one night we were getting ready to do a launch. And, again, I used to work graveyard shifts. And... We used to shut down, basically shut down everything when we were about to launch because, uh, again, it was a top-secret facility. And uh, back then it was during the Cold War days. Um, and believe it or not, back in the Cold War in California, we used to have Russian submarines off the coast watching everything that we were doing. I actually would, do know that because right. my, my husband was a uh, on a submarine during the Cold War, so I actually do know that. Yeah. Yeah, we had we had Russian trawlers and Russian submarines that would sit right outside the international line, uh, right there on the Pacific, and try to monitor everything we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's just the way the Cold War was back then. It was it was like that. Well, because of that, we had a lot of security 
we had to really tighten things down from an air perspective, from a ground perspective, every time we were getting ready to launch. And this one night we were getting ready to launch, and we'd done all the preparations, closed everything down, and we see this light coming in off the Pacific Ocean. And it, it was really strange. It looked like from the distance like it was a helicopter coming in. You guys know how helicopters come in when you see the lights from a distance. It looked just like that, and it was approaching the coastline. Except this light was, like, really, really bright, and it was probably a 1,000 feet off the water or something like that. And there was nothing else out there, and, and it was like a moon moonlit night, so you could see everything really, really good. And everybody's, when we got ready to launch, everybody would move back to uh, back backdrop positions. And uh, the way this went was we we're all standing back on patrol, and we're watching this light come in, and it's just getting closer and closer. So, you know, they start calling it in for security reasons because nobody could figure out what it was. And uh, two F-16s got dispatched to uh, intersect it. And literally you could see these planes coming in because they fly pretty fast. And you could hear pilots talking because we had radio, and pilots could see it also. And as they were approaching this light, and we were watching, this light literally went from a 1,000 feet off the water, went straight up, and it was a clear night. You could watch this sucker, and again, you know, we knew what launches looked like. You can watch this light go straight up, up into space. And it went so fast, it left those planes behind like you wouldn't believe. And I know for a fact, being in the Air Force, we don't have things that can do that, you know, as far as I know. I mean, and, you know, I had that episode, and there was another episode. One night I was out. Uh, I, I go out a lot of times just to look at stars ever since that episode. I'm always out looking at the sky. <laughs> And this one night I walked out, right, this one night I walked out in a backyard just casually going to look at stars again. And I see this really bright light, a really what looked like a bright star. And, you know, I'm just thinking to myself, that's probably a planet or something because it was so bright uh, compared to all the other stars. And it wasn't moving. It was very uh, stationary. And I was watching this sucker for like 10 to 12 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. And um, I was just really, I was just curious as to why it was so bright. I wasn't thinking anything else. And all of a sudden, after 15 minutes of that sucker being stationary, all of a sudden it makes this really quick motion to the left and then a really quick motion to the backside, and then it just disappears at a fast speed. And you can just imagine, my mouth just opened up when I saw that. I was just like, <laughs> what, what the heck did I just see, you know? It's one of those things where you just, you don't expect it. You know, you don't expect right. it to happen. You're not really looking for it, and then all of a sudden it happens. And it's the same thing with ghosts and hauntings. You know, when something happens, it grabs you, and it just wants you to go out and seek more and explore more. And that's where we're at at this point. We're going to go out, and there's been a lot of sightings here in West Texas, a lot of very strange things. And we're going to go out, me and my wife, uh, other people, we're going to see what we can find here. And, so how uh, do you how you know, do you go yeah. about investigating uh, UFO sightings? Well, first of all, you got to have good optics. You have to have a good way to record. Um, you got to have night scopes that can go the distance. You know that can see things up in the sky. Um, the main thing is you got to have a way to record it. Um, 
basically, uh, you know, MUFON, you guys have heard of MUFON, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, MUFON, you know, basically takes all these reports that people have, and they go out and they investigate, and they try to see if there's any substance to the story. So same type of thing we do with ghosts and hauntings when we interview people. They go out and they just collect as much information as they can, and then they try to make some type of analytical uh, viewpoint based off of their investigation. Well, out of UFO cases, you can probably take 10 or 20 of them that are reported that people see, go out and talk to these people, investigate everything, and out of that 10 or 20, you might only get one or two that you can't disprove, you know, based off of everything that's there. And, you know, it's just like ghosts and hauntings. It's a very low percentage. But at the same time, those one or two sightings that seem pretty credible or have multiple witnesses or have a really good video that doesn't look fake, because I'll be honest with you, you go on YouTube, there's a million fake UFO videos. They're just all over the place. I'm sure. And, right. And what's happening with all the people that are creating all this fake stuff for sensationalism is they're ruining it for the person who might get the real video sometime. Because, you know, when that person gets a video, the first thing people are going to do, they're going to be like, well, that looks fake. You know, and that person might be very credible. They might just be out, you know, with their iPhone or something or with whatever they have, or they have a more specialized video camera, and they might actually capture something, you know, that's credible or or looks credible. But I think the hardest part... um, with with that or the same thing with ghosts and hauntings bigfoot is trying to prove what you got is authentic and trying to prove it to the rest of the community things like that right i would agree yeah definitely well it sounds like you guys are doing some really interesting things and um that's cool to hear i like to hear groups branching out and exploring newer different things um, so we have come to the part of the show that we like to call Shameless Self-Promotion Corner. This is where you can tell people where they can find your books, again, the names of your books, uh, any websites, anything really that you would like to shamelessly self-promote, we will allow you to do so now. All right. Well, uh, we're basically, our, our website is actually down right now because we're redesigning it. Um, but the website address, we're, we're going to get that up. You and my wife are working really uh, we're going to work hard on it to get a better redesigned website up. But the website address is www.graveyardshiftparanormal.com. Um, if anybody wants to contact us directly, our business email is graveyardshiftparanormal at yahoo.com. Um, that's for any inquiries, any investigation, any any questions that people have. Um, we're also on face, Facebook, of course. Uh, we have a Graveyard Ship Paranormal Facebook page if anybody want, wants to like it there. Um, again, we're on YouTube. Uh, the name of our YouTube channel is uh, Strange Chronicles from the Graveyard Ship. Uh, we have about, we have over a million lifetime views. I've taken down some videos, but uh, it's a pretty popular website. Um, and it's growing and we're getting more and more people that are looking at it and, and liking everything that we're putting on there. So we're definitely... Uh, Definitely going to be putting a lot more exciting things coming up this year, a lot more uh, investigations, a lot more collaboration. Um, Again, I'm going to be looking to explore. uh, We're going to be looking to explore with Alejandro Dominguez, the Dead Explorer, 
probably next month. So we'll probably have some cool things coming up from that and also other areas. Uh, my two books can be found on Amazon.com. Uh, it's real easy. You just got to put in the titles, and you can find the books on there. And, again, once I get the third book out, that will be up on Amazon as well. Great. All right. Well, it's been fun talking to you and hearing about all of your experiences in your non-Texas accent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, hear a little, I still hear I really, some of that in there. I don't. Can you really hear it? I do. I don't hear it, but, you know, maybe I just don't hear things like that. Um, well, Hi, my you. wife Connie is the one with the accent, actually. Yeah, you know, I could read that because in the chat room she said, hey, y'all, and I thought, okay, well, there's Texas for you. Yeah, yeah, she's so. from, uh, she's, she was from the West Texas area, so she's probably a lot more Texas than I am. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on the show, Dan. It's been a lot of fun talking to you, and when you get that other book out and you're ready to tell us what it's about, come back and see us. Yeah, definitely. It's been a pleasure, guys. I I just love talking about this because I, I love doing it, and I just have a deep passion for everything. Well, and it My comes wife through. is the same way. Yeah, it comes through. And we appreciate people with passion for the field because we clearly, we do a radio show and write magazine articles and books and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, we're right there with you. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Dan, uh, I definitely I definitely like every everything you guys are doing. It's very impressive. Oh, thank you. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, Dan. Well, thanks for coming on the show. It's been fun talking to you. Thank you, guys. You have a good night, okay? All right. Good you night. Mm -hmm. Bye. Good night. Bye-bye. All righty. So there you go. Dan LaFay from Texas. Uh, interesting guy. Lots of interesting experiences and just a real depth of experiences when you look at, you know, that he's been recording things since he was a little kid. Yeah, I checked out the YouTube channel, the Strange Chronicles, and there's some kind of some actually some pretty interesting stuff on there. So I'm gonna have to go back and I have to take a look uh, and see. Check. Uh, yeah, there was um. Well, she, uh, I think Connie said there might be the the Yorktown Hospital uh, doc on there. So I'm gonna have to go check and see if it is because I um I really like that uh, place. I've always been interested in checking that place out. So I just like haunted places. Give me a haunted. <laughs> And I'll be a happy girl. Oh yeah, just move me into one. Feels I'll like it. it feels like most of the places I go these days are haunted places. You know, it's funny how well, that happens. Huh? I know. Well, you know, the majority of them are, you know, have spirits within them. But you know, uh, funny how that happens. Mm, yeah, and it's weird, isn't it? How you just pick up on that stuff? It's like you're psychic or something. Oh well, that could be it. I suppose, I suppose that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that could be the key to the whole thing right now. So, mm -hmm. yes, but I, I mean, like you know, I want to see some stuff flying in the air and stuff. That's what I want to see. I've seen stuff. See, I've never seen anything flying in the air. I've I've heard things moving. I've heard doors rattling. I've uh, seen shadows. You know, all that kind of stuff. But I have never uh, actually seen something just go whizzing by my head yet. So, but you never know. They're I listening now. The next time we're together. <laughs> No, I'm pretty sure. Or did you mean I'm, like that you didn't know the source of it? Yes, that's what I meant. Oh, my mm -hmm. lord! Yeah, well, I'm sure if that I was... is that is evidence. That is um, an experience that you can't write off. You know. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why I want to. I'd like to be able to, 
even if something like moving across something, you know, I just haven't gotten that uh, activity yet. So, but, yeah. well, Dan's wife Connie was mentioning in um, the chat room mm -hmm. that they lay out Scrabble tiles. What a good idea that is! Oh, you know that well, is a good idea. Well, I know. I'm my Scrabble tiles are going with me next time I go somewhere. I like the idea. Well, it's sort of like you know, because you know the original talking boards were like that, where you just had letters, you just lay them out, and yeah. you know, I, we've done. Um, uh, blocks once, you know, like kids, you know, letter blocks. Oh, I really never thought of blocks. I mean, there are so many little simple things that you could do to try and elicit communication or give them things to manipulate. Yeah, definitely. You know, so it's always good to hear other people's creative ideas. Oh, yeah, because you know you're going to take it and go run with it and try it out. Go, I got to just do this. So, and I think Scrabble tiles would be cool. Yeah, yeah well, Scrabble cool. because they're, they're light. Yeah. They're light mm -hmm. and easy to manipulate where blocks are bigger. Yeah, definitely. So what uh, what was going on with that shadow in your house? What, what, what the <laughs> heck is going on over there? Well, it was, what, like about an hour ago that I said something? Yeah. Did you actually see me catch it with my eye? Because I, I was, I, 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 saw it, I saw it out of the corner of my eye, and I turned my head, and I was like, I just watched it. And so my living room's very big. Mm -hmm. It's about 1,400 square feet. It's a big room. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm sitting at one end of the living room in a chair and looking into the rest of the living room. And I've been paying attention to the screen and everything yep. else. Well, so out of the corner of my eye, I caught movement in the middle of my living room. So I turned my head to look and see, and I saw a shadow walk across the living room, through my dining table, and out out the front window. And then um, I got up, because it was just shortly before break, so I got up and went into the kitchen um, mm. during break, which I had to walk through that spot, and it smelled like whiskey. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah, well, you know, these yep. things, they happen yeah. at the Fraser household. And, and, and I just put the connection with whiskey, too. Oh, I don't think that has anything to do with it. Um, <laughs> but it smelled like whiskey, and there's no whiskey in our house right now. There's, you know, I mean, there might be a bottle in the freezer, but, yeah. It smelled like somebody had been just drinking whiskey right there. That's weird. So you got a gigantic, like, shadow figure that's slightly inebriated walking around your house well Oops. and then Jim like I say Jim heard somebody um, earlier this week walking around upstairs in Tanner's room and yeah. Tanner's not there and the door's shut so it's not the dogs and I said did it sound like animals and he said oh no it sounded like Tanner and I mean Tanner has size 14 feet so mm -hmm. when Tanner walks around you hear Tanner walk around yeah, you, know, right. you cannot pad softly on those big boats let me tell right. you well, that make, and that's interesting because then it kind of fits, you know. If you got the lar larger person walking sound, and now you got the shadow and all that stuff, that's interesting. Well, and and the thing is, is that um, it was shortly after Tanner left because Tanner had been in his room for three weeks. He was home from school for three weeks, mm -hmm. and so you know, you wonder if maybe the activity picks up when he goes again. That's Although great. he says he says sometimes he'll go up there and he'll open the bedroom door and it's just I mean the feeling is just like holy shit wah in your face and <laughs> too. Right. so yeah and I, I've never um, put recorders or anything up there I've mm -hmm. never really attempted to communicate with anything that's in this house um just because I mean we've had uh, a, a paranormal team came in and attempted to investigate like William Becker has communicated and stuff but yeah. I just, I, I, you know, I maybe sometimes when one of the spirits from Wellington will pop by or something or, or one of the spirits from someplace else, I will. But the spirits that reside here, I don't really try to communicate with them. Um, I probably should, 
at some point, but you know, you just always kind of say, don't do that unless you want it to really pick up. And, right, exactly. I, we have dogs and a cat, and, and so I don't want to make it. In other words, you're saying you have enough to communicate with in your home. Well, Monkey is, monkey is monkey. so funny. She's, she doesn't have a problem at all. She's very, you know, just yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. um, she can go into the most haunted places and just be like, yeah, cool, okay, whatever, I'm here. <laughs> but we have the other dog, Mickey, the one you usually hear bark, who's a little yes. sensitive. Yeah. So I don't want to make things freaky for him. He's already freaked out when Tanner's here, so. Oh, I, and I want to make an announcement. Um, I believe I've been with this show now a year. Oh, what, would you like a would you like a present? Oh, wait, I sent you one. Happy anniversary! <laughs> well, Cheryl's face. She's like, oh my god! Yeah, remember he says starting last January. Well, so Paranormal it's... Underground Radio in the Dark started in January because I was yes. looking at the photo shoot that you and I did when we were trying oh, yeah. to come up with all the when we were trying to match up our skypes and like <laughs> our skype and stuff yes and um that was january 6th that we took those pictures was the well, look at that so Yesterday. i think we are i think that it was yes. uh, yeah i think it's we we are at one year so yes, hey it's been a great year dun, dun, dun. happy anniversary and you still like yeah. me yeah. yes i still like you oh, thank god ask me <laughs> if i like you do you like me? No, Karen. Ask me if I like oh, you. Oh, Karen. Okay. Um, we've been together a lot longer than one year. Do you still like me, Cheryl? I do. I still like you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you made me nervous. I thought you were going to say, no, I hate you. Get off my no. radio. Yeah. Now, and Chuck, she you ask me if I still like oh, you. Oh, now it's okay <laughs> for me to ask you? <laughs> now it's okay? I don't want to know now. Well, so, I Cheryl, wasn't you. the first issue, I mean, yes. the first episode of Paranormal Underground, it wasn't the radio show. It was when we had the podcast right. with Stan Friedman. The very was first episode. was in January of 2009. Correct. So, that puts us at seven years that you and I have been doing this. Wow. Seven full years. Seven full years. So, it is our anniversary as well. Um, yeah, it's anniversary. Yeah. Well, yeah, Doing the radio two years. Once one with my show and then one with this. Yeah. Well, Cheryl, when we started out, we started it as just a podcast, not a live radio show. And we did the podcast for um what, like a year or two before we went to the live show? I, th I think it was about a year and a half, maybe. I'm not yeah, exactly and sure. We didn't do a we the, we liked the podcast format because we could be a little lazy. So we didn't <laughs> have to come out with one every week. Yeah. But right. then when we would do it, it would be like two and a half, three hours because we would have the guest for an hour or two. We would have as long as we wanted with the guest. And then mm. we would have a roundtable discussion afterwards. Um. And we had a lot of fun doing the podcast. It was me and Cheryl and um, J.D. Harrison. And then we would have, and Chad, and then we would have other rotating people that would come in and be part of our panel. Mm -hmm. And our very first guest was Stanton Friedman. And do you remember who our very first guest was when we went to the live show? Was it Lloyd Auerbach? I believe it was Zach Bagans. Oh, no, I don't think so. I'm going to have to, no. I don't think so for some reason. Or no, he was in an, an he was in our first anniversary issue. Maybe that yes, was what it was. Yes, that's what it was. He was the first I don't know. I don't remember. Do you remember who our first guest was when we started, Chuck, with us last no, year? I was just, no, I was just thinking about that. That's driving me crazy. I don't Ooh, remember who it was. That's I a don't good, know. good trivia question right there. Yeah. I don't who know. Bob. Hey, Bob. Listeners Bob's out there. have heard every one of our shows and probably know better. <laughs> Plus, we realized that when we first started doing the live show, um, I 
was I had that kidney stone, and so I was absolutely stoned on Percocet for six months for the first six months of of the live show. <laughs> nice, mm -hmm. that's the way to do it. Good evening, everyone. This is Karen. <laughs> Bob says that he doesn't remember he was drunk. Thanks, Bob. Thanks a lot. Well, I was stoned, Bob, so I don't remember. I'm, lo I'm looking. I'm looking at my files. I'm back to uh -oh. 2010. Okay, so I'm back to, looking. back to 2010. Uh -huh. 2010. Well, we need we have we have two. We need to know the first show that Chuck and I did together and the first live radio show. Ooh, and you only have uh, approximately six minutes to do uh, so. I'm not going to get you you and Chuck's or date because I don't know that right now. It's January, but I'll look oh, that. January. Okay. Oh, that. Oh, that one. I thought you meant originally. Okay. Um. Damn. Oh no, Chuck's original time on our show. Chuck can tell you exactly when it was. Can it was he? the end of the world show. Oh yeah. yes, it sure was. So it was December of 2012. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was the end of the world yes, show in Chuck. Yeah, the world. <laughs> I was not mean. <laughs> I was lovely to you. She is. She is cranky. She's cranky like cranky <laughs> pants tonight. Cranky pants. I am a cranky pants, but I think yes, I'm coming are. down with something because I have the chills. I know, and but I'm I feel really bad because I feel like I'm upsetting you. Or you're no, no, no. I think actually, I think that I've been fighting off a virus. I was around some sick people um, over the weekend, okay. and I think I'm, I'm, I think I've been trying to fight it off, and I think my body is just giving up the ghost. But a boot. good. As long as you're not like. I'm unhappy with me or anything. That's fine. Oh no, I wasn't. No, and when I said that about that thing, it's more just I get tired of kind of the really exploitative. I know. Stuff. I just felt awkward. And then when I said, "Well, hey, when are we going to talk about the guest?" And you're like, well, "I don't know." I'm like, "I'm so sorry." <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's okay. It's all I'm right. sorry. I'm That's a little out sorry. of sorts. I've got That's big okay. black shadow figures. I know. I, Whiskey drinking. I and and my ears hurt from my my new piercings, and my back hurts from my new tattoo. Tattoo, so, you're just a pain know, everywhere. I'm, aren't you? I'm just a big oh. heap of pain. You got it, Cheryl. <laughs> yes, I I may have an answer here, and I, I think this is correct. Okay. okay. But I'm not. I'm still not a hundred percent. But I think it was Jason Haxton and Jason Offit. It was. That was our very first show. Was Jason live? Yeah, show. our live show. And he, he and wasn't Jason our first show with Chuck too? It wow, that might have been true. I don't I don't have that right here, but we, and Jason Haxton for our listeners who haven't been listening since the beginning is of course Dibbic one of our favorite Fox. guests. He's nice. the Dibbic Box guy and yes. we love Jason. Jason He was awesome, man. He sent me the replica. Oh my like he did to you guys. Oh, yeah. oh my god, that was so cool. Right? I'll never forget that. Yeah. I think that was one of the beginning of the downfalls of my other former life, but yeah, it was still cool. Oh, well, now you have this <laughs> new wonderful life. Because what are yes. you in the new year? What are you? You're the new Zen Chuck. I'm the new Zen Chuck, and I am a free man, almost. Almost now. Hey, oh, we only have a couple minutes. Cheryl, next week. Yes, yes. go. Next week. All right, we've got a great guest, Chris Medina. He's Ooh. a psychic medium. His uh, He is... Um, let me read his little bio real quick. He's a natural-born psychic medium with Native American ancestry. He provides expert metaphysical services for those in need of direction and or guidance in their life. He uses his innate ability to connect with people on a true spiritual level to help guide them toward the path they are truly seeking. In essence, he is helping others help themselves. Uh, if you want to learn more about him before the show, go to PlatinumPredictions.com. Very Look good. Look at that. It's gonna be a, yes. it's gonna be the psychic show. 
Yes. Where do people go if they want to listen to our on-demand shows? Because I look in the on-demand show, mm-hmm. and it just says uh, the last Please. show with Robin Marie. No, you go down. Don't you go to the bottom where it says eleven? Like I'm down below where it says following. If you go down below, if I could click on this, you can no, go no, to where no, it says no. short. I want to look. Oh. I I mean, like all of our shows forever. Do they have to listen to them on Podbean, Cheryl? Yeah, all. Um, there. Unfortunately, we can't upload old ones to MixLR. Um, I've asked that, and that's not a function that we can do. Mm. So unfortunately, um, but we do have a, a solution. Go to paranormalunderground.podbean.com. And you can get all of our episodes going, every single one going back to the beginning. When no, they this were just says there's only one. Oh, no, there we go. Podcasts. Yes. And um, this says that we have, let me see, 277 episodes. There you go. That's it feels like goodness. we've done so many more than that. Through last week. Yeah. Or last show with Rob Marie. Yeah. So, um, 277. I think, I think Cheryl, we need to track yeah. when there's going to be 300. Yes. Because we need to make a big to-do about the 300, I really feel like, don't you? That'd be cool. Yeah. That sounds great. Like a celebration. I wonder if the Into Dark Radio ones are still around. They sh- I don't know if they would be. Um, it looks like it so. was Brian Bethel, Black Eyed Kids. Was what? Uh, Chucksworth's show. Ooh. Oh, he was it, says, it says host Karen Frazier, Rick Hale, Chuck Gottsky. No, he was on our show, and and all three of you guys did the show that time. But mm-hmm. Brian, okay, was, and then was on our uh, show. then we have David Sloan, author of Robert the Doll, and that also has the three of us listed as hosts. That's our show. Nice. That's our show. And then Miriam Knight, Karen Frazier, and Chuck Gottsky. So the first one that was just the two of us was January twenty second, and it was Miriam Knight, author of What Wags the World: Tales uh. of Consciousness. Cool. I had to look it up because, well, you know, if I had a world of information at my Chuck, if I did your shows, I have all your broadcasts. So if you could find a place to host them, we can uh, get them up. So, so that's good, but we should probably discuss this yeah. off the air because we're still on the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So oh. Ah, it's MixLR. We can be late. Let's sign off so that all, all right, of our all faithful right. listeners so, who are still listening don't have to listen any longer. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Happy birthday, Jess. I know you'll probably hear this later, but uh, happy, <laughs> happy birthday. birthday. Appreciate your loyal listenership, and we love you. Yes. Um, and, um, of course, to all of our listeners, we love you. Thank you for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. We will be back next week, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Chicago time, whatever that is, and other times in the flyover states. <laughs> I gave your time. Chuck's face. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you want? Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio. In the dark on MixLR. We'll talk at you again next week. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Good night. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.